Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Mills and the Fourth. Today I'm chatting with controversial cartoonist and animator Mike Diana. We talk about his comic book Bold Angel, him seeing Gigi Allen with his friends, the Angry White Mail Tour, and some other topics too. Oh yeah, let me explain the reason why this interview is really important to me. When I was 13, 14 years old, I read about a cartoonist named Mike Diana or Michael C. Diana in Wizard Magazine and how he got arrested for basically drawing comic books, you know? Now, don't get me wrong. When I saw what he was drawing, I did scream like a little girl. But nonetheless, the idea of somebody getting arrested over drawing fucked up shit is rather alarming. I mean, seriously, when you're kind of a teenager, like, you know, preteen or teenager, if, seriously, parents, look through your kids' sketchbooks. You're going to find some fucked up shit. Sometimes. Maybe not. Maybe. Who knows? Anyway, this guy got arrested for doing just so. The case always intrigued me, and in fact, it was captured in a documentary called Boyle Angels, The Trial of Mike Diana. So right now, this is 14-year-old me excited as a pig and shit right now. Talk to somebody talk to somebody I consider an associate, um, social media friend, and, you know, really cool dude, I gotta tell you. Really, really cool dude. Check it. So what's shaking on your end? Well, I've been trying to get stuff done during the whole pandemic and you know what's going on right now and to keep positive and to keep going with stuff so it's been a good time to like pull out projects that I had started and never finished you know um, comics that I wrote down and everything but there's always something to do you know I mean having more time to be in it's the kind of stuff that I used to do anyway you know drawing and um Working on the comics. Oh, yeah. I know, right? Because that's one of the cool things. That's one of the bittersweet things about, like, a pandemic and everything, you know? I'm, I'm thinking, like, mm-hmm. so what do I do now? Oh, <laughs> a bunch of stuff I've been, wanting to, I've been putting off for years now. Okay, I guess for my benefit. Yeah. Organizing, a lot of organizing or trying to anyway. And, um thinking about getting rid of some things you know that I've been carrying around um, it'll happen though I mean the time I've had in New York I'm always you know living in situations survival as an artist is you live in places that are cheap rent you know and oh, yeah. Yeah. Lower East Side got uncontrollable at a certain point so then I moved to New Jersey and then lost that place eventually you know every place I move to I end up losing it because it gets gentrified if something happens oh yeah and now you know just moving around and taking everything around but I definitely have all my artwork and my art supplies you know I'm going to keep all that stuff but I remember you mentioned EC Comics were a big influence on you right oh yeah EC Comics I had found the old ECs when I was a kid at a yard sale. There was some, a few issues, and I mean, I was amazed by them, you know, because at that point I had, I had known about, I guess, the EC comics. I mean, I was probably 12 years old at the time, and this friend of mine had a, a book. I don't remember the name of the book, but it was a real thick hardcover book about underground comics and comics in general more about like the EC and the weird ones so I knew about underground comics and the the old horror comics but I had never actually seen them and then eventually a comic shop opened up in the small Largo Florida town where I was born in New York uh, upstate New York and then we moved to Florida and then finally a comic shop opened up you know and they had some reprints of some of the EC comics. And they even had the gigantic box set, you know, that had the hardcover books where you get every issue of the Vault of Horror, the Crypt of Terror, and whatever. And later on, I got some of those. Unfortunately, I didn't get to have those at the age that I wanted them. You know, it would have had, like, the biggest impact, I guess. But for the few um, EC reprints that I could get at the time... Um, those had a big impact on me, I feel like, in my artwork and 
I kind of felt like, well, this is the kind of stuff I've been looking for. Like, this is what I want to draw, you know. And then a couple years later, when I was 14, is when I discovered the underground comics, and I started reading Heavy Metal Illustrated. And then I found an ad in there for comics. I ordered underground comics. Even though I wasn't yet 18, I signed that I was. And so I got to see the undergrounds, you know, and then that was also influenced, like, going a little bit further and further... And I figured, well, the undergrounds, you know, were in the 70s, um, 60s and 70s, so things now should be even more extreme, you know, so I kind of wanted to do something up to date, and I was hearing about serial killers in the news and the way they sell the fear. Um, so all that stuff kind of worked its way in. I mean, definitely Florida helped... Um, and also being repressed there, you know, it helps us as artists. We kind of use that and try to channel that in into artwork or something else so it doesn't destroy us, you know. Like all those death metal bands in Florida, you know, that's why there's so many. Exactly. Like, like, surrounded by a bunch of people that are jerks, you know, and you can't get away from them. And religion and whatever. I mean, the people that are religious or whatever should realize that that's, you know, that's like the backlash or whatever. <laughs> it's like they create these things, you know, atmosphere that breeds this kind of stuff. I mean, it makes logical sense. I mean, kind of reminds me of like a lot of animation studios, right? All right, those are like an animation studio, the storyboard jam, right? Where, you mm -hmm. know, if you're working on like, you know, hypothetically like Rugrats, actually, this actually happened. Those is, I forgot what it was called, but it was a bunch of animators, right? I guess they got sick and tired of drawing Tommy Pickles, right? So uh -huh. <laughs> one guy drew one panel and tried to make it worse and worse. And yeah. it just got across the studio, right? Until one of the higher ups are like, oh, shit. And <laughs> only three pages survived. Nobody knows what happened. So it's either A, destroyed, or B, in a vault somewhere. Oh, wow. And the idea was, <laughs> I guess one of those things where you just kind of like vent frustration, you know? It was mm -hmm. just... The nasty the story is, it was just, what the fuck, you know? But yeah. it's not a surprise. Like, okay, the Sunshine State, also technically one of the pioneers of death metal. Um, shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah. so it'll, it's like, you know, hell, even like the, even like this Disney studio, right? You, if you had to be uh -huh. forced to be happy all the time, you know, it's kind of a liberty, liberty, yeah. you know, drop an F-bomb, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean... That's pretty funny, though. I mean, hopefully it isn't a vault somewhere, and someday hopefully. it'll be like, here it is. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, shoot. You know, the funny thing I about... Mean, you first. Yeah, well, yeah, I was just saying, that'd be crazy to find that one. <laughs> hey, you know the cool thing about this era right now? That uh, we're in this place in space right now where the consumer is almost as good as the creator, right? Like, I've seen cosplayers right. do like these amazing costumes, right? I've seen guys yeah. make these albums and everything, you know, in their basement hmm. over, right? And, like, people, like, animate these sequences. I'm like, oh, shit, you know? It's, like, other two, like, you know, but actually in a weird way, hell, uh -huh. you, you being the guy who created Boy Angel, of course, you know, the DIY shit, you know? So, of course, but it's this weird place in space right now where it can do something almost better than the majors or whatever. It's almost like competition. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you have... Well, like, yeah, what's really important is you have the um, the audience, you know, like, you have a place to show what you're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, uploaded nowadays, you know. It can get to people, and people actually, like, see it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this a while back, but you said you were an S. Clay Wilson fan, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, that was... When I had the old undergrounds, you know, he was one of the ones I liked. It makes a lot yeah. of sense, come to think about it, you know, because your style has a very... That's kind of similar lured feel as Clay Wilson, you know? Because I, mm -hmm. I was more of an art crumb guy, but, yeah. you know, S. Clay Wilson stuff was, like, it was amazing. And Robert Williams, you know? Yeah, definitely. You know, those are my I dudes. remember... Yeah. Robert Williams was good, you know. Um, some of those comics are pretty detailed that he did. 
Yes, they were, you know. Like, just that time, like, sitting there, like, yeah. <laughs> you, ever, yeah. you ever see some of those old underground comics and wish, this should have been an animated format, you know, outside of Frista Cat? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, imagine that, I mean. Yeah, I think about that now and then, you know. Um, I mean, certain things... I guess maybe certain things could be a letdown just because, um, like, how much are they going to put money, you know, into stuff, you know, shortcuts or whatever oh, yeah. in animation. Because um, I remember at a time I was excited to see this one that was, like, supposedly Frank Franzetta animated. You know that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, Frank Franzetta. But you really can't capture a Frank Frenzetta painting, you know. No, it's like... I mean, it's really, it's not the same thing. You know, you're watching, like, a cartoon or whatever. Yeah, that seems like a harder one to... Cause it's almost <laughs> weird as fuck, but there's certain things, the way artist draws and everything, you yeah. can... It's like, okay, it's like a, like a whatever illustration, right? You can tell some stuff can translate well to animation stuff. Some stuff would yeah. feel a little bit more... That's what I'm looking for. Um... Not as fluid as I would expect, you know? Right. Yeah. All right. So what other mediums have you worked in? Well, I was doing, um, you know, the paintings and doing, like, collages. And time I was doing Boiled Angel, I was also doing some sculptures, like, kind of sculpture, sculpture collages. I had these old religious boxes, and I would, like, put the Virgin Mary statue in there and then put, like, clippings behind her from Hustler magazine and nail some rubber flies to it and all this stuff, put, like, little jewels around there, and then paint, like, gold, fancy... Try to make it look like old-style fancy painting, but just painting, like, skulls or whatever, you know. Um... I have one of those sculptures. I have to actually restore it because it's been dragged around and gets, like, banged up. Um, but one of them, I went to um, Kmart, bought this cheap, like, jewelry box. <clears throat> it had, like, a little glass door, and um, inside would have been kind of like you hang your necklaces so you see them hanging, you know, so it's kind of a long door with a space, and I was like, well, what can I put in there, you know, so I, we had found the dead rat in our house, and I put it in, like, a empty olive jar, like this long kind of jar, <laughs> so the rat fit in there perfectly, but, but before I put the rat in there, I had wrapped this crucifix, um, a rosary, I mean, rosary beads around it, and so it's clutching the crucifix, you know, the rosary beads around it, and I put it in um, formaldehyde, so it was preserved in this jar. And then I painted the whole box. Um, first spray painted like a, a different color from black to a different, kind of like a fluorescent color, I think. And um, I actually got really high and sick off the paint fumes. You know, I didn't realize it. And I just had to sit down. I was dizzy. I was like, oh, God, you know. Uh, and then I was doing... Some animation, you know, I mean, I want to get more into animation on the computer side of it. But I had done some animation here and there. Um, some of it was when I went to France and worked with these guys that uh, Paquito, who does a silkscreen studio there for many, many, like, decades now. Um, and they had an old camera that was used to, like, film stuff in Vietnam, you know, like news footage. He somehow got this, and we did some animation, you know, with clay and, like, all this stuff. Um, so that came out. But they're kind of like short clips, you know. It would be nice to do a project where you can really, like, have a space to work with. You know, you need, like, an undisturbed corner at least so you can go back to it each day or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. But, of course, on the computer, you know, if I just learn that stuff, I have, I've slowly been doing it, so I think someday soon I'll be able to get more into the computer animated, um, 
you know, probably just like scanning in ink drawings and coloring them and animating them and trying to actually draw as many like different character cells as I can, you know, like actually animating stuff too, but then doing it on the computer as well. And then there's like lots of easy shortcuts, you know, I saw like there's one called flag waving, so you can pick something and you can have it waving like a flag when you want it to and um, you know, yeah, so you just put that on the monster's tongue, and it's like looking at something. <laughs> that is awesome. Lots of possibilities. Um, and then doing paintings, of course. I always felt like I was doing Boiled Angel Days, and anything that I would publish or get published somewhere was always in black and white. You know, it was like a, a black and white Xerox world. And I always wanted to, like, work with color. And it was when I was convicted in Florida for drawing, one of the conditions was I wasn't allowed to draw anything that might be considered obscene, even for my own personal use. And they said that uh, police could enter my apartment without a warrant to search for artwork, you know, signs of art. Any time of day, you know, that... Uh, surprise searches so I decided well I'm gonna not draw but I'll do paintings you know so I actually would hide the paintings in the trunk of my car the canvas and I'd sneak it up at like 3 a.m. and then I'd be watching like the uh, MTV liquid television was on at that time you know and drink a little or whatever um, and work on these color paintings you know and I was just doing them for fun, really. Um, but, you know, technically it was like they were illegal. And I was doing the same subject matter, big penises, like tearing up women and stuff. It was on this one first painting that I did. And But, you know, it was fun to do it. Um, and I felt like I kind of broke through that barrier of, like, not knowing how to do color. And really, what I found out is, well, you just have to do it, you know comes together don't have to learn anything you know you just have to like actually do it with all the paints you know acrylic paint is easier too than oil paints for me and just because of working with the fumes and everything and the oil paints don't dry you know eh. I always worked in black and white actually because whenever I tried to ink everything it would just make it look really uh, here's the thing, whenever I like, do a drawing right, whenever I color it or I ink it, it, it is like, no matter how good the drawing was, it is something, it just like zaps it of that energy, right? It just makes it look really... Yeah. So it's an art in itself that a lot of people don't realize, you know, like, I don't know, there was, yeah. I sent you that John, that's, I sent you that drawing, the drawing Chris Lucy getting choked up by Ren Hoek, right? Hmm. I, 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 I was... It happens, yeah. I don't know, you, you ever like an artist, you ever like the phrase, never meet your heroes, right? Uh, that ever happened to you? Um, I guess so. I met this one guy that, that um, I thought was good. Well, he was an influence on me, Roy Tompkins, a cartoonist. And he had done, um, back in the probably like mid-80s, late-80s, was doing Blotter, a fanzine called Blotter, which was like a lot of different artists. He would do the covers and some pages. And I was still in high school when I found the blotter. And then him and Jeff Gaither and um, I think XNO was one of the artists. And Bob, uh, Bob X. There were a couple other ones, but uh, maybe Rick Sloan. And they were doing this like little mini comics, you know. Just various titles, just whatever they would think of, and just weird drawings in it. And it was kind of the time I was realizing, well, you know, I could do this too. Like, I know I can do the drawings, and I did the drawings, but I had no distribution or anything. And I had done a comic, like, when I graduated in um, 87. 
and a friend of mine that I went to school with, you know, he worked at a print shop, so we got a good deal printing it there ourselves. I just didn't know how to get it around. You know, I put an ad in Fangoria and sold a couple copies. Um, but these guys are doing, like, all these mini-comics and stuff, and um, <clears throat> I got a drawing I sent him. He printed um, in the blotter, issue 12, I believe it was. And so I finally got to meet Roy when I went to Texas. I was on, like, this book tour when I did the Superfly book, and that was, like, in 93. Um, I guess it must have been before I was actually charged, because I know once I was charged with obscenity, um, or maybe I'm thinking wrong, you know, it might have been after I got off probation or something, but it's probably like 93 or 94 that I met him. And it was interesting to meet him, you know, um, because up to that point, you know, I hadn't really gone to comic conventions or anything to see, like, the side of who's behind this stuff, you know. So, yeah, it was good to meet him, even though it was a short meeting, really, at, like, a bookshop. Um, but I always had kind of dreams about getting out to the uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Is that the one Russ Clay Wilson would be a lot? And I always dreamed, you know, someday I'm going to get out there and get to meet S. Clay Wilson. He's really the one that I would have liked to meet. Just to be able to say, oh, yeah, I saw the person that did it, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I remember reading a while back, because my memory's a bit hazy, actually, because I remember the article came out of Wizard Magazine. Well, actually, it wasn't an article. It was a whole-ass interview. I remember there were a few things that stuck out about that, but my memory's a bit hazy, actually, because I'm over here 36 years old now and whatnot. But, like, okay... Hmm. Did you really do a collage with, like, rotting fish or something like that that stunk the whole classroom? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, how did that this happen? That was a true story, yeah. Well, All the right. reason that story got out is because and, um, my lawyer was, like, you know, talking to me about... We're trying to come up with a strategy, strategy about my artwork, you know, giving it meaning, meaning why did it go in the direction or whatever. Um, talking about art I did as a kid, you know, and that was one of the ones that came up was <clears throat> one of the projects. It was in uh, Geneva, New York, where I lived along Seneca Lake. And there was a lot of pollution in the lake. There was actually stuff in the newspaper at the time about the problem with pollution and garbage in the lake. And our class project was to take a field trip to the lake and pick up objects we find on the beach and we would save them for a collage, you know. And all the kids picked up um, shells and stuff, you know, and I saw broken glass, you know, and the glass has been there so long. It's like soft edges. It doesn't cut you. It's like washed by the ocean or whatever, softened. It's like, it's nice glass, actually. I collected that glass before. But I pick up the glass, and then there were these weird plastic things. I remember thinking almost they looked like shotgun plastic, like empty shotgun shells, but they were not shells. or Something I imagine was like, could have even been like a hospital or a factory garbage, you know. Because there was this huge amount of different colored plastic pieces, tubes, you know, um, styrofoam garbage, you know, pull, pull cans, uh, tabs, and whatever. So that was the kind of stuff I was picking up. And I even found a little dead fish. It was probably like, I'd say maybe two inches or something. Maybe a little smaller, but anyway... Uh, I picked up the fish, you know. We took the items back to the classroom, and the way you make the collage is you get this um, plastic milk carton, like a half a gallon milk carton container. Cut the bottom of the milk carton container off, so you kind of have like a little bowl, and you put your items flat down, like facing the bottom, 
So I put the fish in there, you put the glass, whatever, pour the plaster on top of it, and you put a hook in the back so you can hang it on the wall like a little thing. Um, and when the plaster dries, you take the milk carton plastic thing off of it. And it's nice, you know, but anyway, we hung them up for open house. And because mine was stinking up the classroom, I think they actually had taken it down. <laughs> and plus it was garbage. I mean, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's garbage. You know? But the thing in court was I was saying, well, I always felt that I was making a statement with my artwork, you know, even though it was just a class assignment. Um, so, you know, I myself wasn't happy about the garbage and I couldn't ignore it is how I felt. So, um, and of course you can imagine that this story probably meant absolutely nothing to the courtroom, you know? That's fucked up because when I gather really, at least my interpretation is I'm like, okay, get mad at me for bringing a serious eco violation to your attention. <laughs> yeah. You don't get mad at me, but get, I was like, why yeah. are you saying me? Give maybe because you're the one that threw the crap in the ocean. First of all, I got to drink yeah, that shit. Yeah, exactly. The trend, yeah. So that's what's always been intriguing, though, <laughs> about that. Because I put it this way: yeah, I saw some of the stuff in Boyle Land. I was like, "Holy fuck!" But then I kind of realized <laughs> where you're coming from, and I'm like, "Okay, I yeah. get it now." And it's like, you know, and that was just, yeah. So okay, that being said, you ever kind of feel like, "Damn, if I drew Boyle Angel Angel fuck anywhere else, none of this shit would have happened." Um. You know, it's possible, but I mean, I'm sure there's other places that it would have happened in some capacity. Maybe even worse. I mean, <clears throat> you know, in Texas, um, places there, maybe they would just, I would just be missing one day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Who knows? You know, because it's just people can get crazy when they're like passionate, I guess, about what they feel is, you know, going against them. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people feel that way. Uh, maybe even more these days, it's more like empowerment to feel that way. Um, when you have the guy in France who gets murdered for drawing cartoons, you know. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, And ooh. so it's like, how far do people go here, you know? I don't know, but... Like you claw yeah. things out and... You know, unless it's acceptable. I mean, certainly, like, you say something about Trump, but... Yeah. But you remember What's-Her-Name got in trouble for cutting his head off, like, early on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they all... Everyone else distanced, distanced herself from her. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, who was it again? Shit, redhead. Was it Sarah? Sarah, yeah. Silver something. No, yeah. no, it was Kathy Griffin. That's who. <laughs> it was Kathy Griffin, actually, you know. I couldn't remember, but. Me neither. I just remember, like, redhead with big eyes. That's all I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about it is, I was like, okay, so what? I've seen Guar do this a few times, too. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, speaking of which, I remember seeing some of your album cover art, too. Like, what kind of music you grow up on? Just curious. Well, it was interesting for me because. At a certain time when I was getting more into music, I didn't have many friends that you would, like, turn you on to stuff, you know. So basically I would just go to the record shops. And back then it was, like, such cheap records and whatever, 99-cent um, deals. and <clears throat> I mean, they're everywhere, you know, used record shops. So um, I went to one called Vinyl Museum. I used to collect, like, the uh, comedy albums, even. But just, like, old rock and roll records, you know, that I like the covers of and stuff. And, and of course, I would, like, listen to the radio a lot because there were so many different stations, like, different types of music. Um, 70s music and the 60s music and the 50s um, and even older. So I feel like I would find enjoyable things and different types of music, you know, and rap music. Um, and somewhat I was 
my cousin was influenced. Occasionally he would visit and like he had the new um, Eddie Murphy Delirious album. So I had to run out and get that one. Just when we get it on cassette tape, you know. Um, but then when I finally got my car, I got like a nice sound system in there and an equalizer and everything. And it was nice. And I would get the tapes. Um, that's when I got into the punk music. And that was just all pretty much stuff I was exploring myself. Like I saw the cramps, you know, and I was like, hmm, this looks interesting. And Oingo Boingo and Black Flag. And I mean, a lot of that stuff I was just figured I'd try it out, you know, and the Butthole Surfers. Um, and I was into horror movies too, so I would like look at horror soundtracks and see what bands did stuff, you know. And of course, Gigi Allen. Oh yeah, was an influence, and I mean, eventually I didn't hear about him probably until I was like maybe um, twenty-one or something. Um. And then that's when I actually was able to, like, I was starting to go to concerts, like 18 and so, um, trying to see bands, you know. And I got to see Gigi once in Florida, in Orlando, and that was totally nuts. And halfway through the show, the cops showed up and they arrested him, took the whole band to jail. Ended the show. <laughs> I can just imagine, actually, right? I was like, I freeze, put the doo-doo down. Yeah. <laughs> Put that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> Put the shit down, you know. Literally. <laughs> like they'll say, well, it wasn't a gun, it was, you know, a turd, but we had to shoot him. Exactly. He's like, that was a that was yeah. a deadly weapon. I mean, really the way it happened when he was there, Gigi, he was started tearing down they had framed posters, band posters. And he smashes the, the framed glass on the ground, and it was like shards of glass. He's rolling in it. He's throwing it at people. Oh, shit. And he, um, the whole band was nude, and Gigi was nude. And I was, like, right there, probably a few people distance away from him. Me and my friend said, we had a plan. You know, whatever we're going to do, we're not going to run because Gigi doesn't respect that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we stayed there. Gigi comes out. And the first thing he does, he smashes the Jim Beam bottle over his head, you know, and the blood's pouring out of his head. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And um, nobody ran until he squatted and he started diarrhea. And I, I got a view of it. I could see his hand down there. And I could see the diarrhea slipping through his fingers onto the – that's how close I was. And it's like streaming through his fingers onto the floor. God. And then he's trying to pick it up. Ah! <laughs> you know, he didn't gonna get like his fingers like I'm picking up. He probably was wish he didn't have diarrhea. You, you can't know? pick but that anyway, shit up. Literally, everybody when he was scooping in his hand, that's when everybody ran. <laughs> Don't blame you. And me and my friend stood against the wall. Well, we didn't run, but everyone and he got mad. People were running. And that's when he started running and throwing the bar stools like out the door. He's like, you fucking pussies. <laughs> and he's out in the street. And there happened to be this African-American bar across the street. Oh, and shit. Um, they must have been, oh, my God, look at this crazy, bloody white boy. <laughs> and they were the ones that called the cops, you know. And so the police just come in with flashlights. And... <laughs> It was insane, you know. I mean, that's the craziest show I probably went to. Um, and there's a video. There's like bootleg kind of video of that because I saw it and I saw me and my friend, you know. Oh, shit. A clip of us. You see the camera go by and I'm like, oh, yeah, there, here we are. Flat against the back wall. <laughs> like, look like we're fearing for our lives, you know. It was pretty funny. I always wonder because I'm thinking like, all right, because worlds connect, right? Like you'd be surprised who knows who. And I've always yeah. wondered, I wonder if Mike Diane and Gigi Allen ever came across each other. Well, guess I got my answer. <laughs> oh, God. I thought the Hank 3 show I went to was wild, but yep, you beat me. <laughs> I tried to see him again. It was like me and that same friend, we drove all the way to Atlanta. And for some reason, you know, I started drinking, like, before we went in. 
pre-gaming. Okay. I was like, I was kind of drunk, and I was like, um, and then before I go in, my friend says, he hands me this knife, and he says, ah, you better take a knife. I'm like, what? And he's like, well, you know, never know what's going to happen to a Gigi show, so I put sure. it in my pocket. And then he had a, a bottle of beam, and he wanted to give it to Gigi. And I think we wanted to, like, wait till we saw Gigi going into the place, and I just got anxious and bored. We were out in the truck. And I'm like, well, let's just go in. He's, he's like, I don't want to even be in there unless Gigi's playing. I'm like, all right, well. And I thought about going in, but anyway, we're like, all right, well, let's go in. Get to the front gate. It turns out it's total hardcore, like, um, bouncers, you know, everything. And oh, yeah. Frisking us. They found the bottle. They're oh, like, oh, okay. that's a nice addition for our bar. They checked my pockets. They found the knife, you know. They Shit. took his car keys because he had a mace on there. Oh, okay. They weren't even going to give the keys back. And then they're like, we were just both like, all right, we'll be going in. And they're like, no, you're not going in. Damn. And then we were like, but we drove all the way from Florida to be here, you know. Shit. So we missed that show. I ended up meeting this other guy, Bill who lived in Atlanta, who was a Boiled Angel contributor. Hmm. And it turned out, I mean, we ended up just watching video, his video collection of, of uh, Atlanta wrestling, which is just nuts in itself. It was like watching Gigi Allen, you know, these guys beat each other bloody with folding chairs in the ring yes. and stuff, you know. Because um, I grew up, like, on Florida wrestling, but there was a whole other thing in Atlanta and Georgia. The territory That system. was just insane, yeah. Yeah, the territory system. Like, yeah. Um, oh my god! Like that was back in the day when if you were a wrestler in, because I'm like a fucking wrestling geek. Because Trippy told us so. Mm. I always saw Extreme Championship Wrestling as like the Boil Angel of Pro Wrestling. <laughs> right. I yeah. Mean, it I, was. Because it, it really, I'm like, that's what it reminded yeah. me of. So I'm like, yeah. this is fucking awesome, right? I'm trying to get yeah. my voice high right now. It's like, oh my god. I mean, yeah, it's so like theatrical. Oh yeah. To just like such a crazy, I mean, I don't know the right word, trashy or something, you know, but it's just really like, uh, like they had one guy that was like American, supposed to be like um, Uncle Sam or something, huh? you know, dressed up with a crazy hat on. Somebody runs up behind him, hits him over the head with a folding chair. Of course. <laughs> Shoot. And I'm like, what? That's wrestling, you know? I wouldn't call it a wrestling. I don't know what hold that is actually, but yeah. it's entertaining as hell to me. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, but that was because I always saw the world's kind of connected, right? Yeah. So I'm like a shit. I'm like a shit. I'm like up and watching stuff like um because my dad and I we would like tape trade, right? So we got like matched with Cactus mm -hmm. Jack and everything, you know? Yeah. I gotta tell you, Mick Foley's a nice guy, really, really good dude, you know? So, oh wow. Especially the Jap, but also like the Japanese wrestling stuff, like. I'm like, mm. apparently, they, they, I don't think they understand. You're not to really punch the guy because, oof, so brutal. You know, but, yeah. But, but yeah. But, um, I mean, if those guys, like, those guys are really hitting each other, like, they seem like that often, they'd be dead, you know. Exactly. You know? <laughs> For our entertainment, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Shoot. I got to show you the clip from this um, old Japanese match where the guy gets dropped on his head. It's called Tiger Drive 91. Oh. Duni Misawa. Ironically, in the dime, the rumor was because of internal decapitation. But yeah. Oh, jeez. I know, right? It gets wild. So, all right, but I remember, like, um, just a few things about you, too. Like, okay, one tour, I always thought the name was cool shit, actually. What was the Angry White Boy tour? Oh, uh, yeah, they called it the Angry White Male Tour. Oh, that's what it was, my bad. And that whole campaign was devised by um, Shane Bugby, who was printed the Superfly book, and then he reprinted Jim's, Jim Goad's um, Answer Me, number four, the rape issue. And he said, well, do you guys want to go on, the to on a tour? You know, and he had this other guys, the Boone Brothers, who were doing like weird comedy style videos and stuff. And, um, yeah, he just said, well, you, we're going to do a tour. And I was like, oh, all right, we'll do a tour, you know. And that was his idea to call it the Angry White Male Tour. Yeah, that's what the name was funny. So I'm like, 
I was like, yeah. So what was like the what did the tour consist of? Was like a spoken word? Oh, thing well, here's here's the thing that was already making it nuts. Okay. You heard Ed Gein? Yes, I have. Well, he went, and he got Ed Gein's headstone. Holy fuck! He said, "We're gonna go on tour with Ed Gein's headstone." Oh my god! And I'm thinking, well, maybe if you get his body, that's something. But you know, <laughs> that is true. Like. All right. I mean, that's a big monument. I mean, I guess they just cut the top of it off, so it's like a stone, but it's a Ed Gein. Um, so the first stop was Seattle, and Jim Goad showed up. You know, he was a very nice guy, and he had just gotten out of jail. So he was on heavy probation. I mean, he got pro- permission to travel and do the tour, but he couldn't have any kind of problems, you know. Um, I don't think he was happy to be traveling with a tombstone, you know. I know. But anyway, the police showed up and confiscated the tombstone on that first stop in Seattle. Okay. So they took it away. So that was that with the tombstone. But we had some good stops, you know. We went out to the Bunny Ranch in Nevada. Oh, yeah. They had a barn out there. They're like, well, you guys can perform in the barn. They had weird performances, all this stuff, you know. And um, We had some stops in California, and also he was going around to try to make money for, to finance the whole t- tour. He would sell stuff, you know. He had, like, these pentagram shot glasses and the Boiled Angel. That was when he printed the worst Boiled Angel books. We were selling that. We were selling the Answer me rape issues and other stuff. Um, we had a good stop in Texas, you know, but Jim Goad and Shane were arguing, and Jim Goad ended up leaving the tour before the Texas, before Austin. Um, but we ended up having a good show there anyway. This guy, Schizo, was part of the tour. He's from California, and he, like, throws, he, like, can do projectile vomiting, like, you know, on command or whatever. It's like he what he does. Him. Like he can vomit when he cool. wants to, you know. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's all like liquid. You know, like he'll eat some grapes and drink a bunch of water. Hey, that's a um, talent. What can I say? So in Austin, they did like a vomit slip and slide. They said, well, if he he's going to vomit on this plastic, long plastic strip. And if you slip and slide in it, the vomit you get, you know, all this free merchandise. So some guy did it. So you got all that stuff, books and everything, <laughs> shot glasses, <laughs> pentagram beer glasses. <laughs> My God. I bet that guy told a story to everybody. Yeah. yeah. And they just stand, stand there in horror and he's just still excited about it. It's like, so yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> It was it was an insane tour anyway, but one stop um, we went just to visit was Waco, Texas, the Branch Davidian, and it was actually it was like a day before they executed Timothy McVeigh. Yo, and um, just by coincidence, you know, there was some news people there. Wow, and the only people living there was this old like 80-something-year-old woman and then this other guy that was probably in his 60s or so. And they had a little house, like looked almost like a farmhouse, but it was um, set up as a museum and mostly had in the museum these glass cases with like burned-up baby dolls and like stuff they found in the burned mess, you know. Um, And then jars full of... um, Bullets, you know, like smashed up bullet uh, shells. You know, the bullets themselves that they, the government, they say, shot at them. So they found them in the ground, you know, and they even gave me and Shane and everyone each a bullet. You know, they're like, here, you can take a bullet, you know. And they, they're saying that when the government showed up, like after place burned down, government came in and they, like, dug out 
like four feet of dirt. I don't know exact number he said, but they dug out like a bunch of dirt from the scene and just left, you know. But they left behind all these bullets. Because they were claiming that they didn't fire this much or whatever, you know, it was a whole thing. Um, but those guys were saying, you know, the guys, that guy that runs the museum saying that people drive by there now and then and just take pop shots at them. Just drive by and shoot guns, you know. Why there's no one left there? Just two people. It's weird. I mean, you know. But yeah, I actually took some good video footage. You know, Shane had footage of the tour, and he he ended up losing the camera and the footage. So I was filming with a V old VHS camera. So it has that weird VHS look, you know, but I got some good footage, you know, Jim singing. He was, Jim was doing his book tour and also singing Elvis cover songs. <laughs> and um, we got some footage of the slip and slide. Yeah, I'll have to find that footage. Got to get all that stuff going again. You know, the funny thing about it is I see everybody doing the whole VHS aesthetic. Well, this is really back from 98. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. That's the real <laughs> shit right there, you know? So, yeah, with a camera that was from 86. Exactly. So it's like, you want, it's like the only way to make it any more retro yeah. is I got to sprinkle a little crack on it. The only way to get more 80s yeah. and 90s. <laughs> yeah. I'll include a little rock with the when it comes out, you know, in the package. <laughs> exactly. You know? All right, so I'm kind of curious, like, okay, so, like, we talked about this, all right, I'm not sure if you remember this or not, but it's, like, way back in maybe 08 or 09, I think, but I remember mm -hmm. we corresponded, we are talking about, like, Adult Swim and stuff, you know, and I think you said you enjoyed the show Robot Chicken, right? Mm. All right. Yeah, that's funny. All right, you ever kind of, like, feel, cause here's the thing, I've always been intrigued by that, right? Because when I see stuff, like, because I remember a show, like, um, a friend of mine, um, this cartoon called Mr. Pickles, right? And uh, when I first saw it, I was like, Mike work on this? Because yeah. <laughs> right. a lot of the designs, even a lot of designs, even your style a little bit, so I kind of felt like, you know, I always kind of felt this way. So I felt like, you ever feel like, wow, you ever see like yeah. stuff out nowadays, you kind of feel like, I got arrested for this kind of shit. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's weird to see it. Like on television and stuff because, <clears throat> yeah, because that was more like the underground stuff, you know, wasn't around. And it's like, yeah. Also Super Jail, you know. Oh, yeah. That was the other one, too. That was the other one, too, because I was like, all right. This... When I went to Miami, I met a guy that said he went to school with those guys. And he said that it was definitely like I was influenced. So I just said, oh, well. Well, that's good to know. It's kind of interesting, you know, because I remember, all right, this is, because I remember, though they made a reference to you on Roseanne, believe it or not. Hmm. All right, it was the episode when, um, I can't remember, it was the two kids, the one with the, the one with, I think it was Darlene, right, and her boyfriend, right, they were doing underground comics, right, and they were talking hmm. about it, it's like, yeah, back when I was growing up, we had, like, underground comics that was like this, and now there's really vi hyper violent. like, they didn't make a reference to Mike Diane on there? Nah. <laughs> huh, that's weird. It's like, I know, right, it's almost like, holy shit. Yeah. You know? They're, like, talking about these days, it's all, like, violence. Yeah, so I'm like, wait a minute. Did they that's just... funny. So I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. I wouldn't doubt it. It was like, so like a, I was like, that's pretty cheeky right there, you know? <laughs> All right. So, okay, I'm thinking this also right here, like, the world is a world of stuff done, too. All right. One thing was, okay, the talk show, because I was watching the documentary, right? Um, Okay, the, the talk show you were on. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious, though. One thing that's always been kind of curious. All right, so... That one guest that because they showed it, they showed the clip in the movie, right? The one guest when you were on there on the talk show, that was that a fake guest or a real moron? I'm trying to figure this out. Um, well, they were all real for sure. Oh God, which one was it? You, um, it was the remember? one that basically 
who look like every stereotype of the five boroughs. Oh, the guy from Staten Island? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude. <laughs> I'm assuming he's from... You know what that was? was from Rolanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the theme of the show was, I'm in love with a sex offender. And I was supposedly the sex offender. I was on there with my girlfriend at the time, Susie, and she was the one in love with me. You know, they always have to have these stupid themes and whatever. Of course. And those shows, of course, are just made for the audience to hate you and the people at home to be like, oh, my God, these sickos. Yeah. We're not on there for a good sh thing. Like, oh, we want all you on our show. Oh, I did good. I'm on TV, Mom. You know, no, it's not like that. I mean, <laughs> not at all. Villains. Because one of the other guests was this woman that's bound to a wheelchair, and she was in love with Ramirez, Richard Ramirez, you know, sending him love letters in the mail. Yeah. Right. So they got her to fucking yell at, you know. And then there was this woman and her son, and, you know, she was saying she's still in love with the guy who fondled her son, her young son, you know. Holy shit. So that's, I mean, I didn't find this out until I got there. You know, that that was the extent of it. Um, so we're all in the back room, the guest, you know, and we're waiting to go on. And we hear them ramping up the crowd, the oh, audience. Shit. And they're stomping their feet. And they're like, you can do better than that. And it's like some kind of fucking insane, like Roman feeding to the lions shit. And we're all looking at each other like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh, it was, like, brutal. I mean, it was ridiculous, you know. And I was like, this is really this? And I'm like, I should have known. <laughs> and you go out there and you have all these fucking jerks, you know. And what you don't see, even translating on the uh, film, under their breath you got all these guys that are, like, punching their fist in their hand. And they're saying to me, come to New York, come to New York, you know. Just being so stupid aggressive. This is, like, their chance to be aggressive assholes, yeah. apparently. And the show wants them to be that way, you know. Yeah. Um, it was so weird, you know. And I said, well, I am in New York. You know, I'm here. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. And, it's, and that's when I looked right in the guy's eyes and I saw it was a game pretty much, you know. I mean, he's, he knows better than to jump over and hit me. Because then they won't let him on the show anymore. But, yeah, the guy stood up and he's like, oh, you like getting beat up? You know, to question to about to my... Susie there, you know, and, um, but, you know, it's just, he, he wants his fame on the show, you know, if he gets up and says some crap, I mean, it probably feels like that too, but, you know, it's his chance to, like, be someone, I don't know, it's all weird, it was weird. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know. Cause it was like, I think, but, you know, I gotta admit, though, one of the things I always kind of like knowing that kind of hostile crowd you still went out there actually. you know it's like yeah you know what you went out there I'm like yeah. I think yeah. most would have tried to decline or get or way to get out now you went out there it's like yeah I know yeah. it's like I know the lines are out there let me get yeah. the steak sauce right here let me smell <laughs> the steak sauce I'm going out there I want yeah, all the smoke exactly a free trip to New York and $50 that was what to give you <laughs> so you mean you got booked at CBGB's <laughs> yeah I went, yeah, I mean, we went to CBGB's, checked it out, you know. I missed that place. God. It was also just one night there, so we had to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. It was interesting, you know. Yeah. So, I was, because I, <clears throat> I was watching a documentary Amazon Prime, and it was kind of a weird moment. No, not the documentary, because I didn't know Peter Bag was in there, right? And, um, I guess I caught him at a wrong moment. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, ay, ay, ay. What happened <laughs> what was, happened? <laughs> I, I, in the most respectful way, I say, hey, I saw you in the documentary. Yeah, what 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 I do? I was like, oh, shit. I was like, no, no, nothing. I just want to say I saw you in the documentary. So I was like, oh, I thought I did something weird. Yeah. And right. I'm like, nah, I've just been a fan of yours since I was 12. Just find a reason to say hi. <laughs> mm -hmm. Aww. So yeah, shoot, you know, so it's like, but luckily everything's cool now, though, but that happens to yeah. me a lot. I tend to put my foot in my mouth a lot, actually. You but, found Peter Bag, you mean, though? Yeah, we're Facebook friends. Oh, yeah, he, I imagine he would like it. Yeah, he's, he's cool, dude. He was yeah. cool, I expect it, you know, nice guy, you know. 
Um, yeah. That's the cool thing about Facebook, where all these guys were trying to get in contact since I was like 12 or 14. I can finally uh, hit them up now. Yeah. And you might as well. Exactly, you know, shit. It's almost like, hey, I wonder what they're up to. So they, and then someone's like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool until like, ah, hell, maybe I shouldn't have friended this guy. Uh, Cause I found the, uh, I found the dude. Let's do like a total down and out now. I'm just like, hey, you got a place I can stay. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll do some doodles for you for some money. Yeah, <laughs> oof. You never know. I mean, but. True. Well, it's interesting because, you know, my time in it was like all done by, um, I mean, early on in the Boiled Angel days was all done by the post, you know. Oh, yeah. You're like, Stuff you're writing, they're not going to read for a week or whatever. Oh, yeah. But it was kind of amazing, like, how much mail you would get, you know, and, like, how many people would write to you and how many people keep in touch. Oh, yeah. And um, different countries, you know. Yes. People sending me little gifts and whatever. Um, yeah, it was an interesting time, you know, in its own way. And... um I mean, I guess, yeah, kind of like these days, so you kind of figure out how much you can handle, how many people you can handle or whatever. Back then, it was kind of the same, you know, you just... Because really, back back then, it's hard to get the numbers, maybe, these days, you know. But, of course, these days, there's so much of stuff, so many choices and everything, that it maybe balances out, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely, yeah. But I'm wondering, though, before I wrap this interview up, I was wondering this right here. So, when you guys, when y'all were making a documentary, right, was it kind of like bad memories or shit, I come a long goddamn way? Well, I mean, partly it's like, I wouldn't say bad memories, but it brings up emotions just because um, living through that unpleasantness, you know. Um, and also Florida in general, you know, I mean, I feel like I had a lot of unhappy times there and part of them was due just because I have depression and stuff and like dealing with that as a kid and a teenager. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, my parents got divorced and dealing with things you don't like want things to happen a certain way, but they do. And, um, I mean, it's really just life anyway, but I always struggled with the the idea that um, taken from New York to Florida at a young age, you know, moving, which I didn't want to even move, really. Yeah. Um, how would my life have been different, you know, if I stayed in New York? I mean, probably I wouldn't have ever made Boiled Angel. or You know, you'd never know. I mean, I think I would have been some kind of art stuff because and maybe some kind of extreme art because I was drawing monsters even when I was like a little kid you know in New York making weird stuff mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's weird to think about all that stuff you know I mean um, so a lot of things come up and I mean, but also I've thought that it's been long enough since the trial happened, and now is probably the time. If it's ever going to happen, you know, now is the time to talk about it and mm-hmm. do a documentary about it. So, oh, yeah. um, really, when it got weird was when we went to Florida, because I went with them, and um, I had snuck in and out of Florida a number of times, mm-hmm. but I was always wanted, you know. So it was a lot of anxiety there. Oh yeah. And we went back, and it was still that anxiety, you know, of course, because um, I never took care of my warrant. It's been taken care of now, oh, um, yeah. like two Februarys ago. Cool. But, um, yeah, so that was weird, going back to Florida. You know, we did this little segment where we went back to my dad's convenience store that he had, mm. and... Something that actually got cut out of the documentary, we didn't discuss it, but um, next to the convenience store, on the other side of the parking lot, there was a house that my father and me lived in and my brother. 
and the guy that owned convenience store was letting us live in that house for free. Somehow it was not really a legal house. Like it didn't have a proper foundation, like someone built it at one point. Huh? But they weren't supposed to build it. I mean, who knows, you know. But um, we were living in that house, and neighbors were crazy religious people, you know, to the point where it's just weird. You know, they're weird. And, um, and they had seen me on the news, you know, and they saw my brother. Me and my brother both had long hair. We looked similar. I think that they thought me and my brother were the same person, you know. So my brother was at the house having wild parties every weekend with his friends, drinking beer, all his long hair, Satan friends, and spray painting pentagrams on the side of the house, you know. Um, I was out in the yard once at the house holding a cat. We started feeding a stray cat. Oh, God. I don't think I, I was just know. holding it. And the neighbor comes out, looks at his screen door, looks at me, and goes back in. I'm wondering, what the hell was that? Yeah. And, of course, a cop shows up a minute later, and he says, um, well, we got a call that someone was torturing cats in a satanic ritual. Uh, yeah. And I explained, you know, well, the cat comes here, I feed it, but I'm not torturing it. And um, <clears throat> at that moment, the cop is talking to me, the, the cat comes back and it's like curling around my legs you know oh, shit. with its tail up rubbing against me purring and I said see look the cat it likes me you think it would come around and do that if I was torturing it and the cop says well it's just a cat I really don't think it would know <laughs> Jesus. and I'm just like oh my fucking god that's when I just shut up I don't say anything you know because like you can't reason with this person no you can't um and they left, you know, but anyway, every time the police are called, they talk about it at station, and eventually they had the fire department come out, and they condemned the house and gave us a week to move out. And we moved out, and they bulldozed it, so that was what we were going to mention. We were, I was standing in this empty lot of land, you know, and Frank, the director, was there, and the lotter. And I was saying, you know, oh, it's sad, isn't it? This is where my house used to be. Um, before they bulldozed it down to get us out of town, something along those lines. Well, the convenience store was now like this kind of um, another convenient, different convenience store. Hmm. And the guy that was running the convenience store comes out, he starts yelling, What the fuck are you doing filming on my land? This is all my land, all this crap, you know? Wow. Said he's. And the guy, Anthony, the was one of the producers were with us. He says, ah, go fuck yourself. I kind of walked past him. Guy's like, I'll show you fuck yourself. I call the cops right now, you know. And that's when I started getting nervous, you know, because the cops show up. They're like, all right, we need to see everyone's IDs. They find out I'm wanted. I have to go to jail, you know. Yeah. So I just started walking down the sidewalk. I was like, well, go down there. I'll meet you down there. Pick me up. Yeah. And, um... I knew it wasn't the guy's land because I knew the owner, this guy, Ted, who owns the uh, luncheonette, you know. So anyway, we left, and the next day I called Ted, and I said, oh, how you doing? You know, you own all that property still, right? He's like, yeah. And I said, well, do you have permission to film there? He's like, go ahead. So the next day we did it, and it was fine. But it was nervous for me, you know, thinking the cops might show up. I mean, we went to the courthouse, you know. Um, I was getting nervous there. Oh, yeah. And um, I always get that kind of strange feelings in Florida because it's just like, I mean, in a lot of ways, I like Florida a lot, like the nature and stuff and exploring and that sense of adventure. But there's too many, like, oppressive people is what the problem is usually is yeah. other humans, you know, that destroy it and outweigh the good stuff. And, of course, like driving across the state, you hit the Okeechobee Swamp and Okeechobee Lake. You know, like if you go across, go to Daytona. And from what I've heard, that stuff's all get, getting, like, filled up. You know, they're filling this swamp up and building suburbs and stuff. So, wow. I mean, Florida's always changing. And the stuff that I really liked about Florida is probably, like, gone, you know. <sighs> Isn't always the way. 
you know. We went on a search. I was like, oh, I know this great dinosaur statue, you know, that was left over when I lived there from a, a miniature golf park, you know, where they had these huge things. And it was like a giant dinosaur, T-Rex, and he's like holding a, a giant bone as like a cane, you know. Yeah. It's probably actually just to support him or whatever, but it was always there on the side of the road, left over. And I looked it up and found out the dress, and we went there, and it was a construction site. Like, they had torn it down. Damn. I don't know how many months or days ahead of us, but it was, like, gone. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I know, all right? Well, Mike, um, it's an honor to talk to you, and I'm glad to... I'm glad you're granting this interview and love to chat with you again soon or sooner yeah, or later. Definitely. You know, is there anything else out there you want us to check out or anything of like a website or like, um, you know, and social media wants to follow you on or whatnot. So, yeah, if you, um, if people check out the website, Mike Diana comics, comics spelled C U M I X dot com. I'm working on finishing the Deviant Children's coloring book. That's the next project I'm hoping to publish. And I was going to have like a little art sale, like small affordable drawings to raise money to print the cover of the other book. And I have like a lot of Deviant Children um, scenes, you know, to color. It's one I've been working on for a while now, on and off, you know, and it's finally... I think coming to an end, so um, that'll be good to see it come to life. Okay, awesome. Well, I look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was good talking to you. Hey, great chat with you. Thanks. All right, peace. All right, Mon. All right, bro. Bye. Hey, that was Mike Diana. Check out MikeDianaComics.com. That's C O M I X. Also, check out Boy Angels, The Trial of Mike Diana. You can find that on Amazon. Amazon Prime. That's where I saw it. Um, until next time, take it easy. Like, share, subscribe to the show. And please use common sense.